You're listening to the Elim Church Northampton podcast. This message was recorded live as part of our regular Sunday service. We know that this is a great investment into your life. So tune in and give it a listen. For more information, visit elimnorthampton.com. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Praise the Lord, eh? Awesome. Please be seated. Let's just thank our worship team today and all those serving in our church. We thank you so much. Well, it's great to introduce our guest speaker today, Sam. It's great to have Sam and Misha here from Wellingborough. Pastors there have been our friends in our church for a long time when Pastor Mike was here, ministered quite a few times. Yeah, we did. And so I've never seen a guest speaker bring so many people with him. Do you know that? It's amazing. <laughs> I think he's got another church there. It's well, followed him. It's awesome, isn't it? Potentially, we'll see. Well, we're going to give Sam a massive Northampton welcome. Come on, let's do that. Bless you, Sam. How are you all? Not gonna, I'm not gonna lie, that wasn't overly convincing. How are you all today? If you're sitting up the top, right, I need you to talk to me. I, can't, I won't be able to hear you, but I need to do some of this. Are you all good up there? Is everyone good? Thank you, thank you, right. Hey, how good are your worship band? A time to encourage your worship band, how good are they? Don't let it get to your heads, but having a team who can lead you into the presence of God in that manner is not normal. Thank them. They're doing a good job. They're doing a good job. Hey, it's interesting the songs you picked, because if I could have picked songs, I would have picked a number of them today. You know, I I don't want to come here, I'll talk in a minute, but this is important to get this out of the way. I haven't come here to preach to you, okay? I'm not going to preach about you. I'm not going to try and tickle your ears and make you feel good if you're watching online. I'm not going to try and make you you feel really nice inside. My one desire today as I stand here is to go, here is Jesus. Here is Jesus. And I love that last song, All Hail King Jesus. You know, I I was reminded of Isaiah 40, and this this is how I see my job today, okay? My job, Isaiah 40, verse 9 and 10, it says this, You who bring good news to Zion, go up high on a mountain or in the Savoy Theatre. You who bring good news to Jerusalem, lift up your voice with a shout. So if you do not like shouting, I'm very sorry. I don't just shout when I'm here, I shout everywhere. You ask my wife, I have one setting and one setting only, and that is volume. It says, lift up your voice with a shout. Lift it up. Do not be afraid. Say to the towns of Judah, and we'll say to Northampton, here is your God. That's what I want to do today. I want to look in the scriptures and go, here is your God. Isn't he good? Isn't he amazing? Isn't he worthy of praise this morning? This is your God. I don't want to do anything to try and get emotions stirred. I want to look in the Bible and go, hey, here is your God. Let's praise him, for he is the king. Give us 20 minutes. It'll be a bit louder than that. (laughs) He is the king. It says, say to the towns, here is your God. Verse 10, see, the sovereign of the Lord comes with power and he rules with a mighty arm. Father God, as we look in your word this morning, 
would you take center stage? As everyone leaves this place, would they leave with your voice in their ears? Would you be magnified in this place today, we pray? Our hearts are humble before you and hungry to hear from you. Lord, would you encourage those who need encouraging? And Lord, would you give a, a kick to those who need a kick this morning? We love you, we honor you, we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Awesome, sorry, I, I have got one setting and I'm, you just come with me, all right? You just come with me. So, my name's Sam, I've brought my wife Misha, some family, but we've got two sons, okay? We've got two sons. We have Elijah, who is nine, and we have Judah, who is five, nearly six. I didn't just check with my wife that I got the age right. <laughs> I can't take that one back, can I? Everyone saw that online as well, which is a bit awkward. But I have two sons, Elijah and Judah. And um, so I've been, I've been a parent for nine years, right? Nine years, which isn't a long time. I'm not going to be writing a book or anything. But I have learned certain things in my nine years of parenting, okay? And I'm just wondering, any dads know this one yet? That there are certain activities that you do with your children that are best reserved for when mum is not there. Anyone, any dads recognize that? <laughs> the dad's like, yeah, we know that one. There are certain things that you do when mum is not there, right? And, and, and I've learned this, um, and, and I had a great one recently. Can I tell you about it? Is that all right? Can I, can I share this? It might be an overshare, but hey, <laughs> I'm a guest. So my son's recently discovered wrestling, right? Wrestling. <laughs> Someone wooed that. <laughs> Amazing. So we recently discovered wrestling, right? And one of the things that my boys, and when I say boys, it's me as well, right? We like to do is we like to watch on YouTube the best entrances of wrestlers, right? And we like to sit there and kind of rate them out of 10, how good their entrance was. Has anyone seen wrestling before? Yeah, some of you don't want to admit because you're nervous. <laughs> oh. But they, they do these entrances, right? And the lights go down and da 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 da, da, da Like John Cena's in and my boys are there like, yeah, giving it this. And, and they come in and it's like the crowd are like buzzing, right? And so we started getting a bit excited at our house. And my wife Misha went out to do shopping. And, uh, and I said to the boys, hey, boys, shall we practice our wrestling entrances? Shall we do it? And they're like, Yes. And so we stripped down to our boxer shorts because no wrestlers just wear boxers, right? So we took our clothes off and we're there, blinds open in the house, right in front of the bay window, and we're hiding behind the scenes. We're like, we, we're kind of out like this. And then, and then we'll do an announcement for my sons, and I'll be like, weighing in at 30 pounds, Judah! And Judah will come in like this, and he was in his pants and he's strutting in, and we got Paradise City playing on Alexa. We're doing these entrances. And it's an amazing game, and my wife walks in. <laughs> and she just goes, you got a picture of this, not too much, but we're all there in our pants. Alexa's blaring volume 10. And my son's a headbanging. <laughs> and she just goes, what are you doing? And I just said, oh, we're just being wrestlers. And this is a, okay. And she leaves. <laughs> why, why am I telling you all this? Firstly, so you get to know a bit about me, because I'm crackers. <laughs> but secondly, because there's something about the arrival of a significant person. There's something about an entrance that does something, right? You, you see it in wrestling, you see it in sports. You saw it with Anthony Joshua last night. I didn't watch it, I don't believe in boxing. But there's something about the entrance of someone significant 
onto the scene. And, and today's Palm Sunday. It's the lead up to Easter. And Palm Sunday, if you don't know what it is, it's, it's literally remembering and retelling the story of Jesus entering into Jerusalem. And, and, and here's what I want to do. I want us to jump into the text because I want us to jump into the significant entrance of Jesus to Jerusalem. I want us to jump into it. And I'm going to believe that God is going to do something significant in our lives as we do that. Has anyone else got a bit of faith for that, even if it's just a little bit? That, you know, the, the, the Bible is the Word of God. Do you believe that? It's living, breathing, powerful. It has the ability to cut between who you are and how you feel. It can speak to you no matter what stage of life, season of life, or, or, or whatever's going on. It has the ability to speak directly to you. It's the living, breathing Word of God. And as we look at this significant entrance of Jesus, let's be ready for him to do something significant in our hearts. I believe there's, there's some things can shift today as we do this. Not because I'm doing it, but because it's the word of God. And if you've got your Bible, would you turn to Luke chapter 19 with me? Luke chapter 19. If you haven't got it or you're too lazy, it will come up on the screen. Sorry if I offended you. Some of you now get your Bibles out. I'm not lazy. Luke chapter 19, and I'm going to read it, and then we'll pick some bits out. It says this, after Jesus had said this from verse 28, sorry. After Jesus had said this, he went on ahead going up to Jerusalem. As he approached Bethpage and Bethany at the hill called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples saying to them, go to the village ahead of you. And as you enter it, as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you untying it? Say, the Lord needs it. Verse 32, those who were sent ahead went and found it just as he had told them. Interesting that when God says something's going to happen, it always unfolds as God said it would happen, no matter how you think it's going to happen. Verse 34, verse 33, sorry, as they're untying the colt, its owners asked them, why are you untying the colt? They replied, the Lord needs it. They brought it to Jesus, threw their cloaks on the colt and put Jesus on it. As he went along, people spread their cloaks on the road. When he came near the place where the road goes down the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voices, volume, loud voices, for all the miracles they had seen. Verse 38, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, teacher, Rebuke, rebuke your disciples for Jesus. I tell you, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. If they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. And so this is an amazing story of Jesus. And when we look at this, this, this isn't just like a, a nice little story that we look at. This actually happened, okay? This is a historical account of what happened. And so I want us to sit in this story, okay? I want us to get into this story and watch what God will do. And as I said, I want to say, here is your God. I'm going to pick some things out about Jesus from this entrance. And hopefully it will magnify him in your life. It will magnify your view of Jesus, right? And, and, and I want to look at something specifically. And it's the, it's the manner of his arrival. It's the manner of his entrance into Jerusalem. And we want to get a proper hold of this. Because if we can get a proper hold and a proper understanding of this entrance as it was then, then it can impact us today. 
If you get a proper, accurate understanding of what happened then, it has a powerful impact on you today. And so we're going to look at it, and, and, and it's the manner that's important. It's the manner that's important, because on face value, Jesus going to Jerusalem was nothing new. Like, he would have been to Jerusalem before. He would have, as a, as a Jewish person, they would have gone to Jerusalem numerous times for festivals. So it wasn't like it was his first time ever going to Jerusalem. He would have been there before, but it's the way that he did it this time that holds the significance. And I want to pick out three things, three manners of his entrance today. Three of them. And, and the first one is this. Jesus' entrance to Jerusalem was deliberate. Everyone say deliberate. Introverts like, oh man. Deliberate, 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 deliberate. It wasn't haphazard. Jesus' entrance to Jerusalem on that Palm Sunday was not haphazard. It wasn't like just kind of see, case seras, seras, see, see what happens. It was a deliberate entrance that was very much on purpose. He knew what he was doing that Palm Sunday. He knew what he was doing. See, back in, in Bible times, before Jesus, the, um, I'm going to show you how it's deliberate, right? The, the, the Spirit of God would rest upon specific people at specific times for specific purposes, yeah? Just give me a nod if, if you're following, yeah? So this is what the Spirit of God did, and, and now we thank God that he lives on the inside of us, right? We have the Holy Spirit of God. But back then, it was on specific people for specific purposes. And, and, and there were people called prophets back then, and the Spirit of God would rest upon them to bring God's direction, to bring God's correction, to bring God's word to the people. And so the prophets back then would, would speak God's word, and God's people would listen. But they had a custom, the prophets did. They had something that they would do, a, a way of doing it, that when people didn't listen, hands up, you don't always listen to God first time. Oh, whatever. Are you joking me? You all do the first thing God says exactly when he says to do it. Can I act like I'm at home, Jason? I'm really sorry. Is that why? I'm like having a go at people up there. <laughs> I'm really joking. But, but people don't always listen to God when, when, when he says something. And when the prophets would say stuff and people would not listen or they did not understand or they refused to understand the prophets, what they used to do was they used to put their words into a real dramatic action so that it would tell a story that people could see and not deny. Does this make sense? So, so, so they would act out the message. They would tell, and if people weren't listening, they'd start to act out, they'd do something so people could see it with their eyes and go, ah, uh, I get it now. I get it now. There's a story, you don't have to turn there, but in 1 Kings 11, the, the, the prophet um, Ahijah, he, he's giving a word and people weren't listening and it, 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 this is just so you can understand what's happening. It says, Ahijah, the prophet of Shiloh, met him on the way wearing a new cloak. The two of them were alone out in the country. And Ahijah, his words hadn't been listened to. It says, Ahijah took hold of the new cloak he was wearing. He tore it into 12 pieces. Then he said to Jeroboam, take 10 pieces for yourself. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. See, I'm going to tear the kingdom out of Solomon's hand and give you 10 tribes. You, you see how the prophets work? People don't listen, they do a dramatic action, they do something that tells a story that people could not ignore. Palm Sunday, this is exactly what Jesus is doing. Jesus has been telling a story, and not everyone's listening, not everyone's 
starting to understand that he's the Messiah. Not everyone's understanding that he is God's son. He, not everyone's understanding that he is God incarnate. Not everyone is understanding that he is the one that the prophets have spoken about all those times. Not everyone is understanding. So Palm Sunday, Jesus says, right, I'm going to enter into Jerusalem in such a manner that everyone knows that I am king. He, he starts to act out what he says. He, he's creating a picture. He's creating a scene that would be impossible to deny. He enters Jerusalem deliberately as Messiah, as God's anointed king. The manner of his entrance was deliberate. He comes in riding a donkey. Zechariah 9.9, prophecy from the Old Testament. Rejoice greatly, daughter Zion. Shout, daughter Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you, righteous and victorious, lowly, and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. See, Jesus was deliberately entering in to Jerusalem as king. It's not like, oh, a few things lined up and he looks like king. That's not how Jesus works. And Jesus has been to Jerusalem before numerous times, but this time he's going, I, I need to make a story here. I need people to see. So he deliberately enters Jerusalem in such a way that you cannot look and go, nah, he's not king. You have to go, oh. You follow him? Epic. So he was deliberate in his entrance into Jerusalem. The second thing, he was defiant. He was defiant. His entrance into Jerusalem, it was defiant. You know, by the point, the time that Jesus was doing this, that first Palm Sunday, he had a price on his head. You know, sometimes we, we really dumb Jesus down a bit. We can bring him down. Yes he's, yes, he's meek, he's gentle, he's kind, he's loving. He's the Lamb of God, but he's also the Lion of the tribe of Judah. And Jesus isn't afraid of anyone or anything. And his entrance into Jerusalem, you've got to see how defiant this was. There was a price upon the head of Jesus by this point in his life, right? There was a price upon his head. The, the, the chief priests and the Pharisees had given orders for him to be arrested. He was a wanted man, right? Jesus was a wanted man. I don't know about you, but if, if you were a wanted person, you wouldn't do that, would you? Like, if I was wanted in Northampton, I wouldn't have driven into Northampton, I don't really know it very well, I wouldn't have driven into Northampton and kind of walked around in such a way that everyone would look at me. I wouldn't have gathered a crowd around me so that people could see me. If I was a wanted man, I'd shave my beard off and shave my head and I'd like put a disguise on. Like I would not want to be found because I'd be scared because I was a wanted man. Jesus was a wanted man, but he entered Jerusalem that day in such a way that every eye was on him. Has anyone seen Braveheart, the film? Hands up if you've seen it, I can't hear you. Cool. Repent. No, I'm joking. <laughs> but there's this amazing scene in Braveheart, right? Amazing scene. William Wallace, proper Scotsman. And he has a wife. And the, at the time of the, like, the, the, in history, the English were occupying Scotland and they were kind of horrific. And, uh, and, and the story goes that the, that the English killed William Wallace's wife, right? They killed his wife, and so he's obviously vexed, right? He's not a happy man. 
and he, he, he kind of leaves. But in the village then, this scene starts, right? You have to go and watch it. And then I didn't recommend it. Jason recommended it. <laughs> but, but there's this scene and the village is there. And there's like all the English guards kind of, you know, like stood around huts kind of looking like this. And there's almost like Western kind of music playing. Like it's tense. And they're all looking around and it's a trap is set for William Wallace because they want him dead. They want this rebel dead because he's scuppering their plans as the English. And, and so the scene goes, as it flips around. There's all these English soldiers kind of looking around, keeping an eye out for William Wallace. And then you just see over the brow of the hill, his long Scottish hair. I don't know why I did it like that. So. But you see him rising over on this horse, right? A wanted man. They've just killed his wife. They're going to kill him. And he just rides into this village. Everyone looking at him. He's just like this. And this is just an epic scene where he does not care. He doesn't care. Wanted man. He rolls into this. And I remember watching it going, yes. You ever watch a film and be like, is this just me? I want to be like that. There's a part of me that's like, I want to do that one day. I want a horse. Just ride in. But like he does it. And they're all looking at him. They all want him dead. And then he puts his hand behind his back. And then I won't tell you the rest of the scene. Not overly appropriate. But I love that scene. And it's a historic scene because they're like, what a man. What a man. Proper man. Brave man. Courageous man. Go and take vengeance because they killed his wife. It's defiant. We love it. You know, as I was studying this passage, I started to see Jesus' entrance to Jerusalem a bit like that. Not because he was going to go and kill everyone, but because the same courage, the same defiance that William Wallace showed walking on that horse into the English village is exactly the same defiance and courage that Jesus showed when he entered Jerusalem that day. Come on, on a colt, on a little baby donkey, a wanted man rides into Jerusalem. He knows there's a price on his head. He knows people want to arrest him, but he does not care. He is defiant. He is brave. Come on, that's my Jesus. That's my Jesus. Some of us are so shy about Jesus. But some of us in current culture wars, we, we, we start to worry about what we say about Jesus. We start to worry about what we people think about Jesus. Jesus is the King of kings. Jesus is the Lord of lords. Jesus can look after himself. Jesus was a proper man. Jesus was defiant. Jesus was courageous. Jesus could enter in and fulfill his earthly purpose, looking his accusers in the eye. He was defiant that day. Can I show you one more? got one more, so I'll say it anyway. His entrance into Jerusalem was deliberate. He did it on purpose. It was defiant. Don't underestimate the courage it took for Jesus to do that. Sometimes we, we, we think about the cross, and yes, that was a, a, amazing. But you rewind a little bit, and even the courage just to enter Jerusalem like that, I'm like, wow, because you're incredible. And the final the way that he entered, it was divisive. It was divisive. You know, throughout the time on earth, right, Jesus divided crowds. He divided crowds. He actually said about it in, in, in Luke chapter 12. I've come to divide. Div div division isn't a dirty word. Can I say that? Yes, divisive people 
But Jesus' manner of dividing was important. Because what Jesus did, he did things in such a way where it caused a division between his crowds and it would divide those who just want to kind of be a little bit of a fan of him and what he does, I like some of the things he says, and those who want to be a follower of him. He wasn't afraid. There's, there's points in his ministry where he'd turn around and look at the crowd and then he'd say things that would just divide them because Jesus is looking for his disciples. He's looking for his followers. He's not just wanting people to follow when things are going well. He's wanting people who are going, I'm in, I'm in. I'm in. You know, you see how, how divisive his entrance was. Some of the Pharisees says, teacher, rebuke your disciples. He's riding in in that deliberate and defiant way going, hey, I'm the Messiah. I'm, I'm, I'm king. I'm the one who the scriptures have been talking about. Through his actions, this is what he's saying. And as he's doing it, there lays an invite for everyone witnessing it. In or out. In or out. You want to surrender to me as king? Or not. There's like no neutral ground. This isn't rocket science, right? There's no neutral ground. And he was divisive in the way he did it. Submit to me as king or don't, but don't just stand there. Do something. Either kneel before me, bow before me, or don't, but do something. It was divisive. And so this is the manner that Jesus entered Jerusalem that day. It was deliberate. It was defiant. It was divisive. He entered Jerusalem in such a way that says, I'm king, I'm the Messiah, I'm the one the scriptures are spoken about, I'm the saviour of the world, I'm God made flesh for you. This is what God's, his entrance into Jerusalem was, right? And when an entrance is that significant, it demands a response from the people there. Did you know that? When someone enters in such a significant way, it demands a response. You can't just be like, huh. Like, that doesn't make sense. It demands a response. And we weren't there physically, but by the retelling and the immersion in this story, we witness it again every Palm Sunday. We witness it again. And let me tell you, the entrance of Jesus as king into Jerusalem that day demands a response from us, his people, this day. It demands a response from you. I don't mind using aggressive language because it does demand a response from you. We've just been singing, all hail King Jesus. And so I want to look at the response of the people in this last bit of the message. And I don't want to ask, what, what, what response are you giving to him today? As we retell that story of him entering into Jerusalem, what is your response? Because it demands a response from you today. If you need a pastoral hug, you can have that from someone after this bit, but when we see Jesus as king, it demands a response. We can't just sing about him. Demands a response. Can't just turn up every Sunday. Demands a response with our lives. So let's pick this story up in verse 35 if we can. Verse 35. They brought the cult to Jesus, right? And they threw their cloaks on the colt and put Jesus on it. Verse 36 says, as he went along, people spread their cloaks on the road. I, I, I think at a point where Jesus says, 
go and get the donkey. And when they say, why, what's going on? He says, the Lord needs it. I think at that point, they would have started to remember something's happening here. I think when they got the colt of the donkey and Jesus went to get on it, they would have remembered Zechariah 9.9, right? These guys are way better with their scriptures than we are. I think they would have realized, oh, something's happening here. Something's happening here. I think at that point, they would have been like, you know, penny drop moment. This is significant. And just because this happened back then, it doesn't mean it's any less significant for you and for me now. And it says, they, they put their cloaks on the donkey. These, they, the penny drops for them and these spontaneous acts start to follow from the people as they respond to what's going on. And they took their cloaks and they laid them on the donkey. Right, so Jesus sits on their cloaks and then they start to take off their cloaks and they start to lay them on the ground in front of the donkey as the donkey moves forwards. And as you, you read it in the original language, it was a continuous action. So they would lay down the cloaks and then people at the back would, would pick up the ones that he's gone past and they'd run and, and they'll keep putting it. And so there was this hustle and this bustle around Jesus riding on a donkey. Picture Zechariah 9.9, right? He, here he comes riding on a donkey, on the coat of a donkey. They're like, oh, this is, this is a moment. This is a moment. And, and, and they start picking up the cloaks and just picture it. And they put the cloak down, and then he's passed this one, and, and there's, there's, that would have taken a number of people to be doing this. And so as he strolls in on this colt in his deliberate and divisive and defiant manner, the people understand what's happening, and they start to take their coats and lay them down, and they roll out <laughs> kind of a, a carpet for Jesus to ride in on. You know, as they did that, they were rolling out the red carpet for the arrival of royalty. They understood what was happening and they understood that the, the arrival of royalty demands a response from them. And it was this spontaneous act of devotion. This spontaneous act of devotion. And, and I guess the question is, like, how, how are you and how am I responding? How are we responding to him today? Are you surrendering and devoting yourself to him as king or are you just giving a nod to, to him for your salvation? You know, one of my frustrations in, in Christianity is that we kind of welcome the forgiveness. Oh yeah, phew. We almost treat Jesus as an eternal insurance policy. We can treat him, I'll say it again, as an eternal insurance policy. Wow, my sins are forgiven, they're paid for, my eternity's secure. Man, Jesus is so much more than that. Jesus is so much more than that. Jesus is the King of kings. He's the Lord of lords. He's the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning, the end. My word, he doesn't just deserve a nod of the head for the salvation of your soul. He deserves the surrendering of your entire life. He deserves our everything. You know, Jason, you quoted Romans 12 right, earlier. I just jotted that down this morning when I was looking at this message. Romans 12, verse 1 and 2. Therefore, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, offer your body as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, for this is your true and proper worship. Let me just give you a quick 30-second commentary of Romans. Romans chapter 1 and 2. Like, I'm a mess, you're a mess, we're all a mess together. Sin has ruined everything. Romans 4 through to Romans 11, this is what Jesus has done about this. Romans 12, through to the end. 
Now this is your response. And so it says, therefore, in view of your sin and what your Saviour's done about it, your true and proper worship is to offer your body as a living sacrifice. You know the Greek for true and proper? Logicon, where we get our word logical. The only logical response to your sin and your Saviour is lay your life down in surrender. The only logical response, any other response to King Jesus is illogical. To try and live as a one day a week, one morning a week, servant of the king doesn't work. I've got one more thing. Can you carry on playing? This is really nice. Sorry. You're going to have a carpal tunnel at the end. <laughs> he demands our devotion. He does. The, and, and listen, I'm all up for I'm all up for shouting and praising because that's who I am and I love it. I'll do it at a rugby and I'll do it louder on a Sunday. <laughs> but only if the devotion's right. Only if our devotion's right. And so the people first, they respond with devotion. And then verse 37. Verse 37, it says, When he came near the place where the road goes down the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully, everyone say joyfully, to praise, everyone say praise, God in loud, everyone say loud, go on. <laughs> There's something happening here. Joyful, praise, loud voices for all the miracles they had seen. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. So picture this. They see what's happening. Wow, this is the entrance of someone significant. Something's happening here. He's doing this deliberately, defiantly, and divisively. So they start to, to respond and, and kind of lay down their cloaks in devotion and act of surrender before him. And then it says that they, they kind of come to the place where the road goes down the Mount of Olives. I need you to picture this, right? So they're on this ridge line, and, and, and it gets to the ridge, and Jesus is riding there, and they, they see him as king. And then the ridge opens up, and it goes down to the Valley of Kidron, and, and then they've got Jerusalem. And this amazing view of Jerusalem opens up, the walls of Jerusalem. They'll see the temple there. And this amazing sight, the king returning to his temple, they start to get a bit of a buzz. They start to remember, that the scripture says, they, they, they praised him for all the miracles they'd seen. At, at this moment, he's entering his king and they, they're offering their lives up, but then they start to remember everything that he's done for them. I, I, I want you to picture this, laying these cloaks down, he's entering in, and they start going, oh my word, oh my word. Do, do you remember when he, he healed that guy that was lowered through the roof? Do you remember when those guys ripped the roof off and they lowered someone and, 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 and he healed them? Do, do you remember that? And do, do you remember when he, he cast out the demon of the guy in that, in that synagogue? That was crazy. Do you remember when he healed that centurion's daughter? Do you, do you remember when he went, went then and, and raised the widow's son and, and this swell of praise started happening because they realized that actually devotion gives birth to praise. And, and so they start to praise him for all the works that he had done. And around Jesus as he enters as king, there's a buzz of praise. They start going, do you remember this? Do you, do you remember when he did that? 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 And their voices would raise as the excitement got louder and this buzz started to go around. And they're like, do you remember? My word, do you remember when he did that? That was amazing. Do you remember? 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 What about today? What about today? How, how's your praise today? How's your praise? Because praise is powerful. You know, praise changes things. Praise can build faith and it can tear down fear. Praise builds anticipation of what God's going to do and it shatters anxiety. 
Praise changes the perspective through which you can look at your situation in life. And so in response to the arrival of the king that day, how's your praise today? What are you praising him for today? These people started to remember everything that he had done. They saw him as king and they're like, wow, I remember when he did that. I remember when he did that. And man, I've got a story of praise in my life. I remember when I was 17, this is what I'd be saying, Jesus entering his king, I realised something significant happening. I remember being 17 years old. I remember being depressed, working at Waitrose, other supermarkets are available, quitting school, not having a clue what's going on, being down, spending all my money at the pub. I remember being in that place, but then I remember crying out to God. And I remember that God reached down from on high and he took hold of me. He set my feet in a spacious place. I remember, I remember, I remember getting married. I remember we had our first child. I remember we were overspending by 75 quid because our wages weren't enough to cover everything. But I remember for six months, we faithfully gave to God. And he paid off our debts. I don't know how, but I remember the provision of God. I remember when we were told we couldn't conceive again after our first son. I remember the tears of my wife and I remember God coming through and we have a second son. My, I look back at my life and I see, oh, the goodness of God has been there every step of my way. I look over the other shoulder. I see, wow, his mercy has been there every step of my journey. How's your praise today? When was the last time you said to someone, do you remember when God did this for me? When's the last time that when the worship leader says, come on, say thank you to Jesus, you actually said thank you. Jesus' entrance into Jerusalem, it, it, it built this buzz of praise and every gospel writer who covered this account agreed on one phrase that they declared. They all agreed, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, they all tell this account and they all agreed that their praise, their crescendo of praise ended in this. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. It wasn't an emotional praise. It was a reverential praise that ended in the declaration, blessed is the king. Blessed is the king. Blessed is the king. You know, and I kind of want to close there. Blessed is the King. As we remember Palm Sunday, Jesus entering into Jerusalem, we saw that, that the response that it demanded of people then, that they laid down their lives in devotion. They laid down their lives in surrender. Then they lifted up their praise. They knelt down and then they raised their voices for who Jesus was. Come on, what response are you giving today? It demands a response. You can't sit there hear about the story of the entrance of a king and do nothing. You cannot not respond. You either respond with absolute surrender and devotion to the king of kings and praise or you walk away. I'd love it if we could just shut our eyes for a minute right now. I want to, I want to create a moment to respond. And Let's just keep our eyes closed right now. Come, Holy Spirit. I'd love to pray with anyone who wants to respond to this this morning. If you want to maybe surrender your life to Jesus for the first time ever, you say, Jesus, 
I want you to be the king of my life. I recognize you as king. I want to turn away from how I've been living and start to follow you like those guys did in the story we read. Maybe you want to do that for the first time. Or maybe you've, you've said that to him before, but you know that you've not been doing that. Maybe you know that you haven't been living as if he's the king of kings and the Lord of lords. Maybe you say he's the king, but then you're still king of certain areas of your life. Maybe you've said in the past, yes, you're king, but suddenly your career's become your king. I don't know, but if you know that the Holy Spirit's prodding you going, you need to respond to this today. Whether it's for the first time or whether you're resurrendering your life, I'd love for you to just be brave, stand up for me wherever you're at right now. Stand to your feet right now, it'd be amazing. I know it's awkward when someone asks you to stand, but these disciples took their cloaks off and laid them on the floor. You've got off lightly, amazing. We pray for those people standing right now. Father God, we thank you. We thank you that you are a good, good father. Thank you for your love. I thank you for your grace. Thank you for your mercy. God, and as I stand with these people who surrender into you as king, I ask that in this moment you'd fill them from head to toe with you, Holy Spirit. Would you do something significant in their hearts and in their lives in this moment, I pray. Would this be a a stake in the ground in their walk with you, I pray. I pray fear melt away right now in Jesus' name. Anxiety fall off right now in Jesus' name. Addiction be shattered right now in Jesus' name. Come on, regret right now be gone in Jesus' name. Shame be lifted off right now in Jesus' name. Come, Holy Spirit, do what only you can do. In the presence of the King, have your way, I pray. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Hey, if you, if you said that for the first time, or if you want to speak to someone, please go somewhere. Come and help me, I, I forgot what we said. Cafe, go to cafe, get a little response pack. Do something with your response. I promise you, I promise you, you'll never, ever regret it. You'll never regret it. Amazing. Guys, thank you so much for having me here. Can I keep my water? I appreciate your time. Thank you for listening. And hey, God bless you. God's doing stuff. Stay with it.